0: So, uh, welcome again. My name is Michael, I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to have you with us. Again, whether you're, you're with us in person, whether you're with us online this morning. Um, uh, James mentioned uh, in a few weeks we're going to start a series called One Mind. And I, I, anybody like pick up on that 2020 has been kind of a polarizing time? Is that just me? <laughs> right? Uh, and yet, Jesus and the other New Testament writers will regularly call the church to unity. Something I can feel like nearly impossible in the season that we have been in and the year that we have had. Um, But we're gonna explore what what the New Testament has to say about how that is not only possible, but that is something that we are called to um, as followers of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, James mentioned the, the graphic that you can share on Facebook. There are invite cards out at the Welcome Center. And uh, as people who are following Jesus, we should have somebody in our lives who we are praying for, who uh, we are looking to share God's goodness with, and we're looking for an opportunity to invite out to church. Um, And so I would encourage you, as as we get started, we're going to pray specifically for that. But um, I just, I want to challenge you, who is the person in your life who is not connected to a church right now who you are praying for? Who we you are looking for an opportunity just to be the hands and feet of Jesus to them, and you're looking for an opportunity just to invite them to come and uh, experience church with you, whether that's online or in person. We should all have somebody like that. So uh, let's take a minute and pray for our person, and uh, pray for our time together, and we'll jump into things. Father, we uh, just pray for this series that we're going to launch in a few weeks, and. Father, just each of us, we want to bring to mind the person who is not in our life by accident, who you have in our life on purpose. We want to pray, even now, you'd work in their heart. We would just pray for opportunities just to share who Jesus is with them and and who we are as we are with them And just for an opportunity to have a normal and a natural conversation with them and invite them to be part of the uh, series that's going to be launching in the new year. Father, I want to pray just for people uh, in our church who are struggling right now. um, For Jay McFadden, as he is now on dialysis, and as he is now uh, in a nursing home trying to do rehab and get back home again. That you would work in him. Father, for Jonathan Cooper, as he is hospitalized right now, and they're trying to get this infection taken care of in his leg, we pray for healing for him. And Father, we just pray that you'd be part of our time as we try and look at your truth and what it has to say for us in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if if you've been away for a little bit or you're with us for the first time today, uh, we are in the midst of a series that we've entitled The Carols of Christmas and really not that complicated. Each week we take a different Christmas carol and we go, hey, what's this song all about? And uh, more importantly, what does the Bible have to say in response to that? And so as we continue this week, we are looking at the song Silent Night. And I will admit that that is one of, if not my favorite Christmas carol. Uh, I love, love, love Christmas Eve service where that's the last song that we sing and all the lights in the room go down and all the candles are coming up and lighting the the, uh, room up. And there's just, just everything about that song is peaceful to me. The lyrics are peaceful. The melody is peaceful. The instrumentation is peaceful. It just calls to mind for me just this, this image of this quiet little town and a fresh fallen snow and all is calm, and all is bright, and everybody there is just sleeping in heavenly peace. Now, uh, during the holidays, I oftentimes long for that kind of peace. Because I don't know if it goes like this for you, but the holiday season isn't always peaceful for me. And especially during this holiday season, I have found myself longing for that kind of peace. Anybody found the holidays this year less than peaceful? Right? I and mean, it's, it's been a hard time. In fact, there, there, are, there are all kinds of things in this holiday season that, that have come with the potential to rob us of peace. Take, for example, uh, finances and consumerism. Like, I, I don't know when this started in our culture, um, but just every year our culture seems to push harder on, on, on you know approaching christmas from a consumer kind of mentality and every year it starts earlier like i, I was that guy this year i was a get off my front lawn guy this year right so like i'm in home depot it is the first week of october and the christmas decorations are going up right and i'm like come on right <laughs> like we haven't even had thanksgiving yet and you're already pushing you know give me a minute to be thankful for before you push me to want more right in fact, I'm like, it's the first week of October. We haven't even had Halloween yet. I'm like, give me a minute to celebrate the devil's birthday before you get me going on Jesus' birthday. It's just, it just, and... Every year, it comes earlier and earlier, and it's all about, hey, what do you want, and how are you going to get somebody to buy it for you, and um, you know, how are you going to justify buying it yourself if you can't get somebody to buy it for you, and you know, what are all the gifts you're going to get for that special someone. And we're nearly three months before Christmas ever gets here, and that's already coming down. And, and, and that creates all kinds of drama in and families. And you, you may think this is unique to your home. It's not. I'm t- like, you will have families, all kinds of families are having the discussion again this year about who we need to get gifts for. Because one of you is like, hey, we just get gifts for the people who live in this house. And if you wanted gifts from us, you should have figured out a way to live in this house. And the other one of you is like, no, 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 we get gifts for everybody who lives in this house. And we're going to get gifts for your parents and for my parents and your siblings and, and my siblings and all of their offspring and anybody that might be close to us. And you have this argument about who we're going to get the gifts for and, and how much we're going to spend on each of them and how in the world are we going to pay for it all. And you may just think it's your kids, but it's not. Kids everywhere are trolling Amazon, and they're beefing up their wish lists. And Amazon got smart. This year, I received a catalog in the mail from Amazon. So if I had a child that wasn't old enough to get online, I could still indoctrinate them in this whole thing. And it's not just your home where the conversation has been had, you know, where where your kid says, how did my Amazon list get on the printer? I don't know, but as long as you have it, let me highlight a few items for you, right? Because this year, just the push to get and to come up with the perfect gift, it's there. And and this year, there's all this pressure with that as people are laid off and furloughed and on reduced hours and their jobs have just gone away. Chances are, this year, some of us are stressed out about finances rather than experiencing heavenly peace. Or if, if it's not family that will rob us of peace, it's politics that'll do that. In fact, just me standing up here and saying politics <laughs> makes some of you nervous right now. And it should. You know, but I, but I, and here's the thing. I intentionally work hard to stay away from politics up here. Because you should never feel like you need to be red or blue to walk through those doors. You should never feel like you need to be conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat in order to worship in church. Our loyalty should not be to a party or to a politician. It should be to Jesus. And who he is, his image being formed in us, his kingdom being built by us, that should always be more important than politics. And it should be big enough that we can unite around that in spite of our political differences. And yet, Leading up to November third, I cannot tell you how many times I found myself thinking and saying, "Okay, we have nearly three hundred and forty million people living in this country, and really, these are the best two candidates we could come up with. <laughs> like this is the free world, and this is the best we can do, right?" It's it, it just it's frustrating to me, and I it, and again we've said this, but I'll say it again like, did any of us really think November 3rd was going to come and all the drama was going to go away? No. I, it, I'm telling you right now, it did not matter who won. There was going to be drama. And they did, they predicted it and they did not disappoint. We had drama leading up to November 3rd. We had drama all the way through November. we had drama through December. And I'm going to be prophetic right now. <laughs> We're going to have drama in January. Merry Christmas, America. You got this gift came early, and praise Jesus, it is the gift that keeps on giving. For for some of us, this this is hard. And and politics, they they serve to drive a wedge and push us apart rather than pull us together. And I know some of us are stressed out about this, because, like, I see your posts on social media. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Don't tell anybody else, all right? I I am not on social media to be social. I'm on social media primarily for three reasons. One, so that you'll think I'm social and come to church here. Just the truth. Um, Two, so I know who needs pastoral care. Because some people, I know it's not you, but some people will post on social media that they need care before they'll tell a live human being. And then I'm on there to see who are the folks who are going to post needlessly inflammatory, grossly oversimplified posts on social media and then argue with people on one of the most unproductive, unhelpful platforms known to man. So I know, I know some of us are politically polarized this year rather than experiencing heavenly peace. And if it's not politics that'll do it, family will do it. Because like Christmas is supposed to be a time where we spend time with family. But i mean, how many of us, if we're just being honest, we're at church, why not? How many of us have family? We are dreading seeing this holiday season. How many of you are sitting next to that person? It's, if you're online, you can raise your hand digitally and get away with that, right? But for some of us, you, you know you're going to run into that aunt who's going to say something just critical. you got that sibling you know is going to pick a fight. You have Uncle Bob is going to have too much to drink and act like an idiot. Or, or for some of us, it's not the people that we have to see. It's the people who we can't see. Because of distance or because of COVID, you know, we desperately want to be with those people and we can't be. And we even mention COVID. You want to talk about someone'll rob you of peace? I mean Merry COVID Christmas. That'll do it. Some of us are, are panicked mildly, or the family we, we have to put up with, or the family we can't be with, rather than experiencing heavenly peace. You look at politics and finances and family and more, and there are all kinds of things that have the potential to rob us of peace this Christmas. And here's the funny thing, when I look at the very first Christmas, as, as, as it's described for us in the scriptures, the first Christmas feels a whole lot more like Christmas this year than it does the Christmas carol. For example, you think you have family problems? Uh-uh, I'm telling you right now, Mary had bigger family problems. We have that hinted uh, at for us in our first Christmas reading, and we brought in some special readers uh, this week, so let's listen to our first reading.
1: In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very high very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give the throne of his ancestor David, and he'll reign over Israel, and the kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin, the angel replied. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God.
0: Aren't they (laughs) cute? We saved our cutest reader for last. Um, So, Mary, I mean, this is amazing news for Mary. Incredibly good news. She gets to be the mother of Messiah. But again, this creates problems for Mary. Mary's 14 years old. She she has not been sexually active. She's not supposed to be. She hasn't been. But she's being told through a miracle, through immaculate conception, she is going to become pregnant. Now, that's going to create all kinds of family problems for her. Mary... Mary does not have the advantage. She can't be like, okay, Gabriel, I am down with everything you're saying. This sounds amazing, all right? But nobody's going to believe this. So would you just repeat that spiel again so I can live stream it, right? It's not going to happen. You know, like, her parents are not going to believe the truth. Just think about it. If you, like, parents of teenage daughters... Your little girl comes home today and she's like, Mom, Dad, I got big news. I got a bun in the oven here. I'm pregnant. No, no, no. Dad put away the shotgun. You know, Bob didn't. No, it's not him. He didn't do anything. I have been with a boy. All right. Just do the power of the Holy Spirit overshadow me, the power of the Most High. It's a miraculous kind of pregnancy. Your daughter comes with that. You're gonna tell her to shut up because she's lying, or you're gonna lock her up because she's crazy. And and Mary, she's got no way to explain this to her parents. She's got no way to explain this to her fiance. Joseph knows he didn't do this. And and so for for Joseph, this feels like a lie. For Joseph, this feels like betrayal. And it will it will be more painful to him than it will be anyone else. There's something about infidelity that itches. It takes the pain factor and just cranks it way up. He's going to feel lied to and cheated on. Mary can't explain this to him. She can't explain this to her parents. That first Christmas, it came with all kinds of family problems that could rob it of peace. Not only so, but, but that first Christmas, it, it came with political issues and crazed politicians. Like, you, you think our choices back in November weren't any good. I'm telling you right now, Herod was worse. The man was absolutely out of his mind. We see this hinted at for us in our next reading. Let's listen together.
2: Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, during the reign of King Herod, about that time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have Come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as when every as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the of the leading prices, of the leading prices priests, priests and teachers of religious religious law and asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet, prophet wrote. Next page. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for the private for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the time when the star first appeared then he told them go to bethlehem and search carefully for the child and when you find him come back and tell me so that i can go and worship him too
0: So again, Herod is nuts. Now, Herod main, man, managed to maintain power lo- longer than any of his predecessors had. And he did so through brute force. Like whenever Herod was worried somebody might be a threat to his power, he'd just kill him. So like the man had six wives, murdered two of them. Although if you have six wives, I don't know if it's ever appropriate to thin the herd down a little bit or not. Just joke, I'm kidding, all right? Just, a little fun for my polygamist friends out there, right? Um, but he had six wives, murders two of his wives, he had a host of children, murders three of his own sons. Herod was so messed up, like when he realized he was terminally ill, he had the leading citizens of Jerusalem rounded up, put into prison, and he gave orders: when I die, you execute them. It was his way of ensuring that people would be sad when he died in Jerusalem. The man was messed up in the head. And so when he says, hey, you know, let me know where this kid's at. I want to come and worship him too. He doesn't want to worship Jesus. He wants to dispatch of Jesus the same way he has any other of his political opponents. And so the wise men are warned in a dream not to go. And, and if you know the rest of the story, you know, they, they give Herod the slip. And when Herod finds out, he loses his marbles. And so he orders his soldiers to murder Every child, every male child in Bethlehem, two years old and younger. I'm telling you right now, the sound of the mothers wailing as they hold the lifeless bodies of their sons, that had the potential to rob Christmas of peace. And it's not politics in that first Christmas that's a source of drama. Money is every bit as capable on that first Christmas of creating drama as well. We see that hinted at for us in our next Christmas reading. Let's listen together.
2: At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that the census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Creus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly and stripped of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them.
0: All business, that guy. (laughs) You have a teleprompter, you memorize it. So so Joseph takes nine-month pregnant Mary, like ready to burst Mary, on a five-day journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. 70 miles, and if she's lucky, she gets to spend on the back of a donkey. If she's not lucky, she walks. Sounds peaceful, right, ladies? And then they get there, and because and they're newlyweds, they, 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 they discover problems. See, Jerusalem's bustling. There's you know, People everywhere, the economy's booming, but they didn't like, get a place to stay. And so they get there, and Joseph's like, what, what, what do you mean you didn't you know, like, reserve a room? My mama always reserved the rooms. Mary's like, are you out of your mind? My daddy always reserved the rooms for our family. That's man's work. And if you've ever been a young married couple, you know just how peaceful it is when you have one of those expectation clarifying discussions, right? <laughs> and, and, and you know, and then they spend a the night in a barn, and Mary delivers her child with farm animals all around them, which I'm sure was really peaceful. But the real kicker is why they're there. See, Augustus isn't taking a census because he's interested in population trends. Now, he wants to know how many people are there so he knows how much higher he can raise their taxes. Because there's nothing quite so fun and, and peace-filled as an unexpected tax bill. Like, I, I can remember my wife and I you know, first started doing our taxes with me claiming as clergy you claim differently as clergy than you do as not clergy. And it's way more complicated to do your taxes if you're claiming as clergy. And we sat down to do them, we're like, we cannot do this, we are not smart enough. And so we hired somebody, a really good tax person, but the first year they did our taxes, they made a mistake and they didn't catch it. And they didn't catch it so all the way to the end of the second year. And so basically we had done our taxes wrong for two years straight. And I remember sitting in their office when they figured it out, and they looked at me and they said, hey, we made a mistake, we're really sorry, but you owe the IRS $14,000. Not a peaceful feeling. Like Joseph knows, they're, they're counting. The other shoe's gonna drop. I'm gonna get a bigger tax bill than the one that I have now that I already can't pay. That first Christmas, it came with potential for financial issues, to rob it of peace. You know, when I read about the, the money problems and the, 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 the family problems and the political problems in that first Christmas, I, I, fi- I find myself sometimes wondering, okay, the kind of peace that the carol, it, it, it describes being present in that first Christmas. Like I'm like, Was that even real? Is that just a fantasy? And when I think about the the, the financial problems and the family problems and the the political things and and more that we face this Christmas, I find myself wondering, is the kind of peace that the carol seems to promise, is that even possible this Christmas? Or is it all, again, just a fantasy? And yet, I would suggest to you that the kind of peace that that carol describes, that it really was there that first Christmas. And the kind of peace that it promises, it really is available this Christmas. See, I, I, I think the writers of that carol understood. Peace isn't, it isn't found in family. Because in order for peace to be found in family, you have to be able to control people. You've got to be able to control what they're going to say, and what they're going to do, and how they're going to respond. You can't do that. Listen, I don't care how much of a relational control freak you are. You can't control the people you're in relationship with. And if that's where peace is found, really what you're doing is you are handing control in your life over to somebody else. And they'll take it and give it and take it and give it. I think the writers of the Carol, they also understood peace isn't found in in money and stuff. I'm not against money and stuff. Money and stuff can be fun. If you don't like yours, I know people who will take it for you. Peace isn't found there, and thank God it isn't. Because there are all kinds of factors outside of our control that will, will, will take money and stuff away from us like that. And I think the, carols, the the writer of the Carol, they understood peace isn't found in politics. The person sitting in the White House, they are not the Antichrists, they are not the Messiah. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how much you hate them. In four to eight years, they're going to be gone. And trying to find peace in another person who is inclined to tell me what I want to hear so as to keep their job, I'm just saying, that's not a good plan for peace. I think the writer of the carol, they they understood an additional factor that really made peace possible in that first Christmas and makes peace possible this Christmas. And it's it's alluded to in our final reading. And again, we saved the cutest reader for last, me. (laughs) So here we go. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. See, in in that first Christmas, peace peace wasn't found in politics, it wasn't found in finances, it wasn't found in family. It was found in Jesus. Jesus who, who didn't come to save humanity from their problems. But Jesus who came to be with us in the midst of them. Peace, that that first Christmas, it it wasn't found in the absence of problems. It was found in the presence of Jesus. And peace this Christmas, it's not going to be found in the absence of problems. I got news for you, they're not going away. Peace will be found, though, in the presence of Jesus. And so this Christmas, if you're struggling financially, please know that unto you a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. The one to whom all the earth and all that is in it belongs, he is with you. And this Christmas, if you're stressed out about politics and the direction of our country, know this. Unto you a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. The one who holds the heart of the king in his hand, he is with you. And if this Christmas your family drives you nuts, Know this, unto you a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. The one who is not ashamed to call you brother and sister, he is with you. Again, this Christmas, peace is possible. But it's not found in the absence of problems, it's found in the presence of Jesus And so with what remains of Advent, I want to encourage you. Engage in activities that help you realize and experience the presence of Jesus. Our previous series, Walk This Way, that's part of what that was all about. Activities that we can engage in that help us get close to God. So I would encourage you, with what remains of Advent, Take time, carve out some time and just pray. Just talk to God about the things in your life that would try and rob you of peace. Take time, this this Christmas season, just carve out some time, just read the scriptures and just listen to the voice of God speaking to you. Come and worship with us Christmas Eve. Make Jesus part of the holiday. whether whether you're here in person, whether you're joining us online. Take time this season to make yourself aware of and to participate in the presence of Jesus because that is where we'll find peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you just for Jesus Thank you that unto us a Savior has been born. Father, this Christmas, with, with everything that is going on around us, maybe we look to Jesus in his presence to find peace. God, give, give us eyes to see what we can do that will help make us more aware of that presence, that will help us experience it. And Father, I just just pray for a measure of grace that we would just become acutely aware of how close you actually are and in that find peace. And Father, if there's anyone with us today in person, anyone with us online, who's never, never said yes to Christ the Lord, who really, who needs to begin the journey of peace by fully surrendering themselves to Jesus. We, just, we pray for that person, and, and if that is you, I want to invite you just to pray silently with me. Jesus, I need peace. Doing life my way has just robbed me of peace. My sin has robbed me of peace. Forgive me, please. Today, in this moment, I want to put my hope and my faith in you, your life, your death, your resurrection. I want to surrender all of who I am to you and begin a journey where I follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.